And good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta, enjoying our time at Acton University 2023. We're here in Grand Rapids. And joining me right now is Father Roger Landry, a priest of the Diocese of Fall River, Massachusetts, an alumnus of Harvard College and the Pontifical North American College in Rome. He's ecclesiastical advisor for Aid to the Church in Need, uh, a papally appointed missionary of mercy, a missionary of the Eucharistic revival for the U.S. Uh, Catholic bishops, and the chaplain to the New York chapter of the Leonine Forum. He's author of Plan of Life, Habits to Help You Grow Closer to God, and you can follow him at catholicpreaching.com. Father, thanks. Great to be back with you, Alan. Yeah. Talk to me about the Eucharistic revival. How is it going? How's it look to you? So I'm honored to be one of the 57 priests the U.S. bishops have asked as a National Eucharistic preacher. Yeah. And I've also been selected to carry the Lord from New Haven hey, to Indianapolis next, next year. <laughs> and so that'll be quite a pilgrimage because I think the church's whole work the, as a pilgrim church throughout time is a big Eucharistic procession yeah. in which we yeah. walk behind and with the Lord Jesus. It's been uh, so for the last year I've been traveling almost nonstop to preach for diocesan events as well as parish events on the Eucharistic Revival. And there's something really happening at a groundswell. Good. Not every parish is, of course, um, awake yeah. with regard to what's going on. But those parishes that are, people are coming out. People are really grateful for the focus yeah. on Jesus. Yeah. And the Eucharist is Jesus. And they're super grateful for the practical helps in order to learn how to love him more and the work that's being done to provide more of an opportunity for them to come and spend time with Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. Yeah. And if we don't have Jesus in the Holy Eucharist in his proper place, everything we do is disordered. Absolutely. And so right. to be able to come back to that, I've, I've been overjoyed to see what's happening in the life of my brother priests, for whom I've been preaching lots of uh, retreats and okay. clergy days, what's been happening with seminarians, I've done some um, seminarian retreats, what's been happening in these parishes where people are just so grateful for this gift and we're making up for some lost time. Yeah, very good, very good. I, You know, <clears throat> you know, there, there, there are some people complaining, well, the bishop shouldn't spend this money and all this. What, what do you say to them? I remember once when I was working in a rectory as a teenager, some guy needed a mass card going to a wake, and he came on in and said, how much does a mass cost? And I said, how much you got? I'm only 14 years old at the time. I said, how much you got? He says, what do you mean? I said, pull out your wallet. He pulled out his wallet, and I think he had 70-something dollars in there. I said, nowhere close. He says, what do you mean? How expensive is a mass? I said, well, the mass, you'll never be able to pay for it. But if you want a mass card, it's five dollars. <laughs> but the but the point that I was trying to stress there, even at fourteen, is love so amazing, so divine, demands our life, our soul, our all. Right. If we're spending money on anything other than the love of the Lord, we have to ask where our priority is. Yeah. If the Eucharist really is Jesus, as the Church forthrightly proclaims, right. then we shouldn't be stingy with the Lord. So that doesn't mean we waste money on the Lord. Right. But we, we go back to that um, episode with Judas Iscariot, the week of Jesus' crucifixion, when Mary of Bethany came and poured 300 days' worth of aromatic nard. Just think about what an annual salary is, because they had one day off the Sabbath every yeah. year. Think about what you make in a year, what I make in a year. Yeah. She spent that in aromatic nard and poured it on his feet. Yeah. And it was Judas 
whose doubts began a year earlier when Jesus in the Capernaum synagogue said that we have to gnaw on his flesh and drink his blood to have life. And that's when, St. John tells us, Jesus knew who would betray him. It happened with the Eucharist because Judas wasn't capable of lavish love of the Lord. And so what the Eucharistic revival is about is about loving the Lord as he deserves to be loved. I love that line of St. Thomas Aquinas, which we sing on Corpus Christi in the sequence. It's the second verse. He writes in Latin, quantum potes tantum aude. How good your Latin now? Okay. (laughs) Two two years of high high school. It literally means however much you can, so much dear. Or in better English, dear to do all you can because all you do is going to fall short of what Jesus in the Eucharist deserves. And so, you know, some people have criticized the 28 million, which is going to be just $350 times 80,000 attendees in Indianapolis, which is less than young people have to pay for their their annual sort of National Catholic Youth Association um, get-togethers. But regardless of what the price tag is, the love has got to be precious to us, and that's what's trying to be revived. Yeah. They're raising money from people who can pay for others to be able to sure. come. At least 15% of the people there are going to be there on total scholarship. Um, we want this to be a thing of the entire church yeah. and make it especially possible for families who would have several kids to be able to come yeah. To, yeah. An, uh, to an extraordinary life-changing event like the Eucharistic Congress will be next July in Indianapolis. But like it, it all starts with uh, the generosity of the Lord and whether that's going to provoke a reciprocal generosity yeah. on our part or are we going to say those uh, scary words that we love our Lord enough. Yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah, yeah. I've, I, I've, uh, I've met my quotient. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, your own estimate on how it is that uh, it's commonly understood that uh, there's a problem in Catholic thinking about the Eucharist that there's insufficient uh, awareness of all that's involved um, from transubstantiation to adoration and assuming that's true why do you think it's happened how did we lose that kind of focus well I, you know I was raised Catholic as 50s and 60s early 60s and then fell away but I was aware, I didn't have a lot of theology, but I, I knew that this was the important thing. Mm-hmm. This, was the, this was a big deal, you know. And um, why, why do you think that it, many Catholics don't seem to see it as the big yeah. deal anymore? There are multiple reasons for it, but I think it all comes back to we, we took for granted that people just attending Mass would yeah. pick it up by osmosis. Yeah. Yeah. We were not passing on intentionally as of the first and greatest importance of what we ourselves had received. Right. And then a lot of the times we have to explain the symbolism. Yeah. Pope Francis, in his beautiful document last year, Desideravi Desiderio, I have greatly desired to eat this supper with you before I, I, I uh, this Passover with you before I suffer, um, stressed that we've got to explain the symbolism. And so we've changed a lot of the symbolism such that a lot of our young people think that the Eucharist is a thing rather than the Son of God. Yeah, yeah. Um, and some of our gestures 
and some of the ways that we've spoken about the Eucharist have reinforced that false idea. I'm constantly trying to tell extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion, please never use after the consecration the word bread. Don't say consecrated bread. Don't say we're going to drink this cup. Some of our Eucharistic hymns are heretical. Look beyond the bread you eat. We don't eat bread. Yeah, very good. You know, or what's not heretical because it's the Lord's words, but when we sing as a catchy mantra, eat this bread, drink this cup, what are we thinking that second graders are going to think? They're going to think that they're eating bread rather yeah, than just right. using the monosyllabic, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Yeah. If they were to sing that a hundred times by the time they made their confirmation, they'd probably think that they're not eating bread or drinking <laughs> wine, that they're consuming the Lord himself. Yeah. And so there are a lot of things that we need to do in our behaviors and our genuflections and how we receive Holy Communion, the reverence with which we live our life, the time we spend adoring the Lord. Pope Francis is excellent when he says, Eucharistic adoration kills our idols. That's because nice. we're always worshiping something. He said that in his first homily from the Sistine Chapel the day after he was elected. I was translating live for EWTN there. Yeah. And he said, Qui non prega Dio prega il diavolo. And I couldn't believe that he was so clear. The one who doesn't pray to the Lord prays to the devil. <laughs> so we've got to get before the Lord. And you and I know we don't kneel down before bread boxes. Right. <laughs> exactly. But we do kneel down before the Lord. Yeah. And yeah. so that's what the whole church in this revival is trying to do, so that gradually over the course of time, everybody's going to grasp that we do take seriously and literally the church's teachings that the Eucharist is Jesus Christ under a different form yeah. than he was in Mary's body, for that's example, right. That's right. but the same Jesus. Yeah. And once we start to do that, the, the church will find her root, center, source, and summit anew. And that's when all the other issues in the church, which we're not ducking, will start to find their authentic solution yeah. because it's Jesus who promised to be with us always until the end of time. Mm -hmm. And he fulfills that for us in the sacred gift of himself in the Holy Eucharist. And the opinion on altar rails and kneeling at the altar? So what I challenge priests to do is let's test this. Yeah. Let's test whether receiving on the hands or on the tongue actually produces greater reverence. Let's ask and look in real data when sure. we test it about sure. receiving on our knees or just making a genuflection at the waist, receiving at an altar rail or receiving in a line in which you're checking out what the person's wearing in front of you and things like this. I am convinced from my personal experience of having done it both ways that there's a Pacific Ocean of difference between receiving on your knees, on your tongue, at an altar rail than the way most receive in parishes. Yeah. Now, yeah. can someone receive well standing sure. in line? Of course. Yes. But when we're trying to communicate that this is God, yeah. like we don't ever get down on our knees yeah. and receive something on our tongue in any other context. And so there's something really special there. And the more you do that, you know, I, just one little story. When I was a pastor in Massachusetts, I had somebody come and offer to pay for an altar rail. So I said, thank you very much. Let's do it. So we did it. But it was, uh, it was a parish that most people would consider liberal. Mm -hmm. And I had to catechize and say why we were doing this. Yeah. And I said, if people want to come across the altar rail and stand and receive on your hands, that's your option. But it's sure. actually more efficient and more reverent for a priest to distribute. Well, a lot of the people that I thought would oppose me got down on their knees 
and receive on their tongue. At the end of Mass, I was waiting for the feedback, and I didn't anticipate it was all going to be positive. But these people who I thought were going to be my critics came with eyes watery and said, Father, I was opposed to you at first, and I'm bracing myself. But, like, this brought me so much close to the Lord. I remember my first Holy Communion that I did this way. I remember so many Holy Communions and I wasn't in a rush as soon as I received them. I could just wait there for a little bit and say thank you. And you know all the rest, even from people who were initially opposed theoretically, when they actually do it they recognize it helps them to receive Jesus with more love and they want to receive him with more love. It strikes me that way too. Again, I don't know if it's because I remember you know, as a kid uh, that happening. But even when Sally and I were attending a Lutheran church, we actually uh, were on our knees receiving. Uh, so I've always thought it was a good idea. I never understood why it was done away with, but that's for another conversation. Look forward to that conversation yeah. now. Father, thanks so much for being with Always me. Always a pleasure. Father Roger Landry, I'm Al Cresta. <laughs> <laughs> 